Mountain Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. Talking about the work of the ministry in the last days. What is the work of the ministry? And we know that we're called for that. The whole body of Christ is called for that. Not just some bishop or apostle or a prophet. It's a body movement until we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, a perfect mirror image of Jesus. And we did foreknow, then he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, those that he predestinated. Them he called, many called for you chosen. Them that he called, those that are accepted and chosen, them he justified. Justification by faith. And then those that he justified, them he also glorified, sanctified holy, O spirit, soul, and body, obedience unto righteousness, then yields the peaceable fruits of holiness, the divine nature of God, which we all are partakers through obedience and doing the will of God. <clears throat> There's four growth states there, and we're going to focus on the work of the ministry there in the sealing of God's people, what the body of Christ is called for. That is pressing toward the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is that? Paul said, I'm not already perfect, neither have I already attained in Philippians, Church of Philippi and the house of Lydia. He said, but I'm reaching forth to those things which are before, forgetting those things which are behind, trying to apprehend that of which I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. In other words, God wants to give us the kingdom of God more than we want it. It's a father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What's the prize? And that's what we've got to know. If we're running this race, we need to know why we're running it and what the prize is. Well, we're called as to be kings and priests of the Lord our God. We'll reign with the Lord a thousand years in the millennial reign. That's certainly a prize. It's something that we have to labor to enter in. We see that in 2 Thessalonians, the first chapter. Your faith grows exceedingly. The charity of, you, charity of every one of you aboundeth one to another. We're bound to thank God for you and all your persecution and tribulations that you endure. Persecutions, tribulations. All that live godly in Christ Jesus says shall suffer persecution. Tribulation work with patience, patience experience. Experience work with hope. Hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our by the Holy Ghost. Well, we're going through these trials. God gives us faith, but that faith then has to be tried as by fire. Counting all the joy when we fall into diverse temptations. Though your faith be tried as by fire, that it can come forth in pure gold, the glory of God. Therefore, we understand we're not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer with him, mortifying the deeds of the flesh, calling sanctification. When we see the work of the ministry, what is the work? Well, we know that in the last days, this gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, will be preached unto all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. Whosoever overcometh to the end, the same shall be saved. Well, we know there's four growth states, and we have to enter into that full grown 
and the measure and, and the image of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called for. And that is to the full measure of the stature of Jesus Christ that have uh, made themselves ready, sanctified, holy, both spirit, soul, and body, presented blameless at his coming. We're focusing on the work. What is that work? And in Revelation 6, we're going to see there's a white, red, black, and pale horse rider. And it's the cherubim of glory, the living creatures, the zoe, that are preaching that, saying, come and see. The Lord Jesus opens the seals. It's the cherubim that preach it. And it's not angels. Many say that the cherubim are an order of the angels. That is not so. That is a living creature in Revelation 4 and 5. There are 20 and 4 seats in heaven. That's the priesthood. That's the 24 orders of the priesthood. And we also see before the throne of God four beasts, four living creatures, lion, man, calf, and eagle. Now, most believe in eschatology that the church is pre-tribulation raptured out of the, out of the world, not realizing that the book of the Revelation is written to the servants of God, not to the nation of Israel, but to the servants of God. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him to show unto his servants, not the nation of Israel, the servants of God, to show unto them things which must shortly come to pass. Those are the things of faith. Faith is the substance of things so far, the evidence of things not seen. And we understand that it's given to us to know all things be led and guided into all truth, growing up into Jesus in all things, uh, so that we're not tossed to and fro by everyone of doctrine. When we see Revelation 4 and 5, we're in the throne room, the body of Christ. In Revelation 4, verse 1, it tells us where we are, that it's not in a Pentecostal season there. It's an higher season. It's the tabernacles, the season of tabernacles. There are three seasons, that season of Passover and that season of Pentecost and the season of Tabernacles. We know it's Tabernacles because John states in Revelation 4, verse 1, and he states, there was a door open in heaven and a voice of a trumpet talking with me. Now we know that there are a herald instruments for the beast. We see that in Daniel 3, the third chapter, verse 5, 10, and 15. Those are instruments that herald to the beast, a false gospel. And that's a cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and a dulcimer. Six instruments. Mentioned three times in verse 5, 10, and 15 of Daniel 3. And what time that you hear not the trumpet, not the true voice of God, but the voice of Babylon, the false church, that you bow down and worship the beast, the image to the beast that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and the plains of Dura, 60 cubits high, 6 cubits wide. And that's what is happening today. 
It's a worldly Jesus. Thinking that you can have God and the world too. You can serve God and mammon. And we're told that the love of money is the root of all evil. And those that will be rich fall into many hurtful lusts and diverse temptations. But yet, the prosperity preachers keep on preaching on. And many have erred, thinking that gain is godliness from such turn away. The real body of Christ knows that there is a work of the ministry that only through faith they will attain to it, through obedience unto righteousness. And that requires the cross. You're not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer with him in fellowship with his sufferings. We know that because tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, some are offended and do not bring any forth fruits unto perfection or the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, come and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But those that bear good seed, the word of God, it's water and they bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. These are the ones that will be called for the work of the ministry, that they will bring this everlasting gospel to all the world for a witness of all nations, and then the end will come. When we see in Revelation 4, verse 1, John gives us the time and the season that we're in. We're no longer in a Pentecostal season. We're not in the second day. We're after the second day. In the third day, well, he will raise us up and we will live in his sight. There in Revelation 4, verse 1, John tells us expressly that there was a door open in heaven, not the sanctuary, not a Pentecostal church age, but a higher glory, a heavenly room revelation, and a voice of a trumpet talking with him, saying, come up hither, a harpazo, not a rapture, but a higher revelation in truth. How do we know that? Because he said, uh, the voice of a trumpet talking with John, saying, come up hither, and I will show you things uh, which will come to pass hereafter. A revelation of uh, the truth, Jesus. Faith. The things uh, of faith that was once delivered to the saints, being given unto John to show unto us, the body of Christ, these things. And we see in Revelation, the second and third chapter, the overcomers, hearing the voice of the Son of God shall live. Then we go into Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. We're called to be kings and priests and to the Lord our God, and we will reign in the earth those that have obtained to it through obedience unto righteousness, yielding the priestly fruits of holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. And in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5, we see before the throne of God, there are four and twenty seats. And there are four and twenty elders, the priesthood. And that's the order of the priesthood, which is twenty-four. Howbeit, there are also before the throne four beasts, four living creatures, four zoe, 
Those are not angels. That is the, the church of the living God. How do we know that? Well, they have a face of a lion, man, a calf, and eagle. And we see in Revelation 5, there's one that's set upon the throne and a book having seven seals. That's a Bibliorydian. That is the word of God. That's how we're sealed. And it has to be opened. The seal is written, the book is written, with seven seals, which are the heartstrings of God to his servants. And that is the heart of God. David was a man seeking after God's own heart. That is exactly what Revelation 5 is, him that sat upon the throne with a book in his right hand, having seven seals. There was none worthy to open that book except the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. He hath prevailed to open it. The four beasts and the four and twenty elders. We see who they are in Revelation 5. Notice it says there in Revelation 5, verse 7, And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat Upon the throne, verse 8, and when he had taken the book, that is the word of God, that's been compressed, the little book, where we enter into all truth and all things in truth. When he had taken the book, the lamb, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb. Only he is worthy. Notice we have the four and twenty elders. But mentioned there is the four beasts, the lion, man, calf, and eagle. They fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps. The harps is in our heart making melody unto the Lord, that we and the harps uh, are in one mind, in one accord, in union with the heralding music of God, of our Lord Jesus. We're in one mind and one accord. We're in the unity of the faith. The harps there are where we're in union with heaven. And those harps being given to every one of us and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. That's a sweet savor to the Lord. Who are they? Well, they're the four and twenty elders and the four beasts. Who are they? Well, they, all of them, sing a new song. That's not the song of Moses, which is Sarah Kadashah, which is a feminine song. It started in, uh, we find, in Exodus 15. And they sang the song of Moses. It was a beginning at the wilderness journey. But then they came to Kadesh Barnea. And passing over Jordan, then Moses tells them, what will fall the people of God in the last days. And he writes this song. And it's put in the side of the Ark of the Covenant. That's to be taken out, not in Pentecost, not in Passover, but in the season of tabernacles, in the seventh month, and read to the people, and God will give them the understanding of the book. So it is today. In the Feast of Tabernacles, we have, in that season, three feasts. We have the Feast of Trumpets, the Rosh Hashanah. We have the Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, 
and the Feast of Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Ingathering, the Feast of Sevens, the Feast of Prophecy, the Feast of All Feasts. It's sevened. It is uh, Ber Shabbat, the well of an oath. God has sworn seven himself, swearing by no greater. He swore by himself in that he is faithful and true, cannot lie. He swore by himself and Shabbat. That Shabbat is God's seven himself, and that that is determined will be done. It's seven, and it's stamped with seven all through the revelation of Jesus. These elders, the four and twenty elders, are the priesthood, the who are the four beasts. Those are the kings. It's a king priesthood. They are the living creatures. They are the zoe. They are the cherubim of glory that you see coming out of a fire and folding itself in Ezekiel 1 and Ezekiel 10. They have a face of a lion, face of a man, the face of an ox, and a face of an eagle, but their feet burnished brass as a calf's foot. That's exactly what we're seeing here in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. Why the calf's foot? Because it's judgment, burnished brass, polished brass. They're all to see. When judgments of God are in the earth, men will learn righteousness. And here is the body of Christ that's attained to it. And we see that they have right there. They're worshiping the Lord, the Lamb, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, God manifest. And it says there, and has redeemed us to God. Notice that's not just the four and twenty elders. That's the four beasts as well, which are the redeemed. They're not angels. They are the church in a higher glory that have the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy, which is the faith that was once delivered to the saints as the faith of Jesus. We see that in Revelation 14, 12. They are the redeemed. They have the right to sing the song of the Lamb, not just the song of Moses that's been a work in progress, but the final redeemed of God. Not singing the Shurikata Shah, which is a feminine song still in operation as the song of Moses, starting our wilderness journey. But when we come to the end of the journey and the purchase possession, we're going to be sealed. Sealed the servants of our God in their forehead, the church, not national Israel, and certainly not going back to Mary, having the child, baby Jesus. In his death, burial, and resurrection, he's already paid for this. And bringing the body of Christ into throne room revelation, not of uh, a beaten olive oil, of a half egg of beaten olive oil that feeds the 22 knops of bowls in the candlestick, which feed the seven lamps. No, it's not seen through a glass darkly. It's the full revelation of Jesus Christ into all truth. Those are the cherubim. Those are the ones that have the revelation of Jesus to the point of the testimony of Jesus. John saw it. Revelation 19.10. John was about to worship the man, thinking it was the Lord. If anyone knew the Lord, John, the revelator, John, 
the apostle that wrote the gospel according to John, three epistles, and the book of the Revelations, certainly knew who the Lord is. He was about to worship him. He said, see, thou doest it not. I am of thy fellow servants and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's a higher level of faith in the body of Christ. Not in a Pentecostal former reign. In the latter reign, in the season of tabernacles. They're not Pentecostals. They are tabernacleists. Worship God. They, who is this man? It's Jesus the head and we the body of the Christ that have grown up in him in all things and all truth. Where we're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine because we're sealed. Sealed as those fathers in their forehead, the servants of God that have come to the fullness of the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ into a perfect man. They are the redeemed of the Lord. How do we know that? It says in Revelation 5, verse 9, both the four and twenty elders and the four beasts, the cherubim, says, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. So now we know that the cherubim, the living creatures of Revelation 4 and 5, are the redeemed. And the ones that attain to that being sealed will be the ones that will preach this everlasting gospel to all the world for a witness to all nations. So therefore we see in Revelation 6, and that's what we're focusing on today. Who is the white horse rider? You're going to see that most commentators will say that it's an antichrist, a false, a deceiver. But when we take a good look at it, does it, the, the, the seals, trumpets, and vowels, does it start out with a deceiver? We'll take a good look at that. We need to know because if we add or take away from any things in the words of the book of this prophecy, in the revelation of Jesus, the plagues of this book will be added to us, or if we take away, our name will be taken out of the holy city and blotted out of the book of life. A very serious situation. We must know the truth. We must hit the mark. And we can only do that in the Holy Ghost being revealed to us. Let's read Revelation 6, verse 1 and 2, focusing on the white horse today on this podcast. And I saw one of the, when the lamb opened one of the seals, I heard as it was a noise of thunder. Now, in Job 37, talking about the noise of his thunder, that we attentively, we attentively hear the noise of his thunder, not just the noise of his voice, not just the lightning, that's the effulgence, that's a revelation. But then we have to understand it. That is attentively the noise of his voice. We see that. Job tells us that. And there are five voices there of the Lord showing us what we must enter into. Psalm 29 mentions seven of the voice of the Lord God Almighty. And we have to hear that voice in Revelation 
2 and Revelation 3 to be an overcomer. Not just hearing, but obeying it. That's the noise. The noise is thunder. In Revelation 10, John heard the seven thunders utter their voices. That's an understanding of the word, not just a fulgence and the revelation of lightning. It's the thunder which is to hear and to understand in obedience the word of God. So there is a thunder, the noise of thunder. That is the noise of thunder in the knowledge of the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the four beasts said, come and see. Saying, come and see. Who's preaching it? The living creatures. The cherubim. The church in a higher glory. The ones that are tabernacles that's gone on higher than Pentecost. They have the testimony of Jesus' spirit of prophecy. Why we have to have the spirit of prophecy? Because to have the understanding of the words of the book of this prophecy, we can only understand it with the spirit of prophecy given to us freely of the Holy Ghost through obedience unto righteousness, unto holiness. You see that in Romans 6. And what did he see? And I saw, this revelation, a and behold, a white horse. Now, we need to understand the horse. The, the cherubim, the chariot, is the Logos, the Word of God. That's our chariot that we have. And a chariot will have four wheels. We see that in 1 Kings 6. And that chariot, or the cherubim, that God abides uh, there and flies upon the, uh, the wings of the cherubim. That is on the wind of doctrine, which is the Lord. That cherubim, or that chariot, is your logos, the word that you have, the oil in your lamp. But the horse is the life of that chariot. Without that horse pulling that chariot, the chariot alone, faith alone, is dead. You have to have the works along with it. Well, that's your horse. That's the life of the chariot. And the horse is what he's seeing. And behold... Behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow. Notice there's no arrow. And we're told this is a deceiver, an antichrist. But if it is, then white certainly doesn't mean the righteousness of the saints. And white means white. White is pure. Purity in the gospel of Jesus Christ. White has always been purity. And white robes are the righteousness of the saints. And this is a white horse. It's the life of the chariot, which is a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow. That is a toxon. T-O-X-O-N. Toxon is a fabric bow. A fabric bow, not with an arrow, but it is an ornamental bow given to the victor after he has won the battle. And this fabric bow, this ornamental bow, this victor's bow is given to this rider before the battle even starts. It's the body of Christ. Notice a crown was given unto him. That's a Stephanos, a victor's crown. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. Somebody said, well, no, Jesus came to send peace. Not a sword. And because of that, they think that this is a deceiver. 
It's how you behold your Lord Jesus. Do you see him in the work of the ministry as peace? That's how the Antichrist sees it. He comes in and obtains the kingdom by flatteries with a small people. And by peace, he shall destroy many. But many follow that. Not realizing that we see in Matthew's gospel, Jesus states there, you think I come to send peace on the earth? In Matthew 10, but rather a sword. What? I thought Jesus said, peace on earth, goodwill of man. Yes. But in this kingdom age, there's a battle. And in the church age, there's a battle. In the kingdom age, Jesus will reign, be one king and one name over all the earth. The Jehovah Shammah, the Lord, will be there. Howbeit, in this church age, there is warfare. And we have an adversary. And Jesus said, you think I come to send peace on the earth? But rather, a sword to set a man at variance. That which the father against the son, mother against her daughter, and the man's foes be those of his own household. You'll see that in verse 34. Note that, that Jesus gives us the insight of the work of the ministry. Matthew 10, 34. Reading out the word of God, Jesus said, the verse before that, if you deny me before man, him will I also deny before my father, which is in heaven. And he goes on and says, this is the understanding. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. That's very important because we see that the way to the tree of life to be kept after the fall, in Genesis 3.24, God set cherubim at the east end of the garden of God and a flaming sword. Not peace, but a sword. And we know the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, rightly divided, dividing the spirit from the soul. Only the word of God can do that. But Jesus stated there, Think now that I have come to send peace on earth. I am come not to send peace, but a sword. That's that flaming sword to keep the way of the tree of life. And that cherubim is a capital C in Genesis 3.24, which Jesus, because he was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached to the Gentiles, received uh, up in the glory. He is to make the way for us. The forerunners already entered in. And now we, through obedience unto the leading of the Holy Ghost, will be the same and do the same works he did. These works that I do shall you do also. And this is a truth that must all of us enter into in the restoration of all truth. For the heavens must receive Jesus until the times of the restoration of all things, all truth, all faith. He goes on and says, I am come to set a man at variance against his father, 
and a daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's foes shall be they of his own household. And he goes on and states, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and follows after me is not worthy of me. And he that will find life, and he goes on and states that, he that findeth his life shall lose it. That is, those that come after Jesus must mortify the deeds of the flesh, not doing our own will, but the will of God. And he that loseth his life, in other words, doing God's will rather than his own will, loses his life for my sake, Jesus said, shall find it. And there we, we see how you behold Jesus in Revelation 6 on that white horse rider will determine whether you think he's peace, which would make that a deceiver, or whether there's a sword and there's a conquering going on. And you, the body of Christ, are more than conquerors. You're given an ornamental bow, a toxin. You're given a stephanos, a victor's crown before you ever enter the battle. We see that also in Jeremiah, the prophet to the nations. What see is that, Jeremiah? The first vision. I see a rod of an almond tree. Thou hast well seen, God said. I will hasten my work to perform it. What is a rod of an almond tree? It's a rod of the church. Almond is luz, and luz is almond in the Hebrew, and Bethel was first called luz. Bethel is the house of God. This is the rod of the church. Before you ever start the battle, before we ever go into the judgments upon the nations, he tells Jeremiah, your vision, the very first one. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see a rod of an almond tree, the rod of the stem of Jesse, the Christ. That rod that we see in Revelation 11.1, 1, that John says, there was given to me a reed like unto a rod. There it is. Saying, rise and measure the temple of God. We're going to be measured. They what? No, you're not. We're the body. Our body's a temple of the Holy Ghost. We're not our own. We're bought with the price. That's going to be measured. And the altar. That's not just your prayer life. It's the altar of a sacrificial life that you have done the will of God. And that's stated by Paul in, in Romans 12.1. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. There's your altar. And be not conformed to this world, but you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God for you is. If you lose your life and your will to do the will of God, you will find life. But if you find your life, you will lose it. If you hold on to your will, doing your will, then you will lose your life. Jesus said, any man come after me, let him first deny himself, pick up your cross, and follow me. You're not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer for his name's sake. Now, God's dealing with some to sell out. That's a commandment. In the Constitution of the Kingdom of Heaven, Matthew, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, right there in the middle of it, in Matthew 6, 19, he said, provide for yourselves treasures in the heavens. There's only one way. Sell that you have and give alms. Luke 12. Provide for yourselves treasures in the heavens. For moth and rust is not corrupt, these do not break through and steal. 
for your treasures are your heart also. God's calling the ones unto perfection. It's going to be used in this last day to do that. Somebody said, Brother Beard, have you? Yes, I have, many years ago. And we've labored ever since then, doing the will of God. And we know how to base and we know how to be abound in the Lord Jesus Christ, whether abounding in, in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ with finances or not. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. My grace is sufficient. But for us to do the will of God, he's moving the body of Christ into one, and there will be many that will be apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, workers of miracles, governments, helps, and those will be in a body fitly framed together, compacted together, sealed, and those that have possessions will sell them, and it will be one body going out. If you decide, and God's dealing with that, to do that, to sell it, give us a call. You will work with us. We'll cover the nations. We have over a thousand ministers now in Africa and India, not counting Nepal, Australia, etc. cetera. Uh, they're all over the world. God's doing it now. But you don't do it until you know you have the leading of the Holy Ghost. You don't just, just jump up one day and say, I'm going to sell out. You have to be led of the Holy Ghost. Make sure that that is the season in your life and God's calling you to do that. But the ones that are used here are the ones that are sold out. They're the ones that have forsaken all, gave up all to follow Jesus. Except the man forsaketh all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. These are the ones that's coming to perfection, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and to a perfect man. They're in the image of Jesus Christ, not just knowing Jesus after the Spirit and not after the flesh, having the Holy Ghost, Christ in them, but unto the knowledge of the Son of God is epigonosco. Epi, much higher, gonosco, knowledge, that is in a perfect image of Jesus, unto a perfect man to the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ. These are the ones that are the living creatures. They're the ones that are sold out. They're the ones that have forsaken all, gave up all. And in Mark 10, the ones that have forsaken all, that had land possessions and all and sold them for the Lord Jesus and for the gospel's sake, for the proclamation of the gospel, shall have a hundredfold more in this time, Jesus said. You don't just throw your money away. You have a hundredfold blessing in this lifetime with persecution. You never get away with persecution. There's always persecution that those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer. That's just a given. And in the life to come, eternal life. That's the only hundredfold blessing in the word of God. Now, these prosperity preachers will tell you, oh, you give and God's going to give you a hundredfold blessing. No, there's only one place in the word of God, Mark 10, that are the sold out ones, forsaken all, given up all, and coming into the unity of that faith and a body movement fitly framed together that are promised a hundredfold in this time, in this lifetime, with persecution, and you will receive a hundredfold more land, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers. It means an expansion for the good work in the kingdom of God and in the life to come, eternal life. Well, 
These are the ones that you're seeing in Matthew, that you see there in uh, Matthew 12. That sword, they're able to handle that sword. These are the ones you're seeing in Mark 10. These are the ones you're seeing in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. They are the living creatures. They are the ones uh, that have come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and will proclaim Christ to the fullness. Fullness to the measure of the statue of Jesus. Only those will be used to proclaim this gospel. And the first one is a white horse rider. A toxon, a fabric ornamental bow is given to that body of Christ before she ever enters, enters into the battle. And a stephanos, a crown, a victor's crown. And they went forth conquering and to conquer. What? Conquer the kingdoms of this world. Not through the weapons of our carnal, car, weapons of our warfare being carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down a stronghold. And taking the kingdoms of this world, becoming the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. They're going forth conquering and to conquer. They're more than conquerors. Then it goes to the red horse, etc. Today, we're focusing only on that white horse rider. We're saying that is the body of Christ. They're the ones receiving that bow, that ornamental bow that you give to a victor before he even starts, before, usually after the battle, but given to us before we even start the battle. Just as Jeremiah said, what do you see, Jeremiah, in the judgment to the nations that begins at the house of God, the first vision he sees, a rod of an almond tree. If victory is given to us before we even go into the battle. God said, I, thou hast, Jeremiah, you've well seen. I will hasten my word to perform it. Not one jot or one tittle of the word will fail. We see in that Daniel 9.27, because if you see that that is the body of Christ, then you're Daniel, Daniel 9.27, that he will confirm the covenant with many for one week. You don't see that as the Antichrist making a league with Israel and then breaking it. Is that a covenant? Because the covenant there, the covenant given to the people, notice he didn't say a league or an agreement, but a covenant. Notice in Daniel 9, 27, and Jesus was cut off in the midst, but not for himself. It states in verse uh, 26, Daniel 9, and after three score and two weeks, shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. Well, what happened? He took the ordinances of that cross, the ordinance of the law, the ordinances of the law of Moses, and nailed it to his cross, breaking down the middle wall of partition, making an end of that ceremonial law once and for all by his sacrifice of himself. But not for himself. What's he cut off for? He's cut off for us, for the salvation of his people. And we see in Daniel 9, 27, if we believe that Jesus has not sent peace because the Antichrist will by peace destroy many, cleave to him with flatteries, he'll have indignation against the Holy Covenant. 
this covenant. He hates it because he knows he has but a short time and will be burned in heaven. I'm sorry, in hell forever. <laughs> he will literally be destroyed. The devil, the old serpent, the dragon, will be cast alive into the lake of fire, the second death, and burned forever. He knows he has but a short time. So the dragon, the old serpent, the devil, is cast down from heaven into the earth, having great wrath, knowing he has but a short time. But who is this in Daniel 9, 27? And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Who is that covenant? We subject to you that that is not the league made by an antichrist with Israel. We know there's a league that he makes there with league, and he does not use covenant. He says a league, and he goes and works deceitfully. But this is a covenant, and it states there, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. Now, if we think that's the Antichrist, we think that he's, well, it's profaning the, profaning the sanctuary of strength and polluting it. And Psalm 79, that's the death of the saints. That is how he pollutes the sanctuary of strength. They've come into thine inheritance, killing thy saints, polluting it. Psalm 79 tells us that. We understand that. The abomination make it desolate, and the day of sacrifice take it away, an abomination set up that make it desolate. And we know that. But here it's talking covenant. We submit to you that that covenant is Jesus Christ. It's a holy covenant. And he's going to confirm that covenant with many for one week, not a Shaboah, a Heptad, a week of years. And Jesus was cut off in the midst of the week. That means that he began his ministry at age 30, being our high priest, fulfilling his own law. Numbers 4 states that the high priest takes his ministry, or that priesthood, at age 30. Jesus, fulfilling his law as our kinsman and redeemer, though he be God, yet the law is still there. That must be that must be fulfilled before it's taken out of the way. So Jesus will take the ordinances of that law and the days of his flesh, and he will nail it to his cross. When he does that, he breaks down the middle wall of partition, thereby making peace and one new man. He causes the sacrifice and oblation to cease. There's no more need for the believer, under the Mosaic law, to offer the blood of bulls and goats with hyssop for sin. Jesus has taken away the sin of the world. This is what we, in Daniel 9, 27, hold that that white horse rider in Daniel, uh, uh, in, in Revelation 6, verse 2, and in Daniel 9, 27, is that sword given to the body of Christ, going forth, conquering the conquer with that tuxon, that bow, that ornamental bow that you give it to the victor, 
after he's won the battle, but given to us before we even go into the battle. Here, he's confirming that covenant with many for one week. That means there's a Christ generation that will do the same works of Jesus and fulfill his week. Isaiah said that who will be counted for the seed that will be counted for the generation. Jesus said this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. And that seed, that Christ generation, you see, is in Matthew 1. There's 42 generations there. From Abraham to David, 14 generations. From the David to the carrying away to Babylon, 14 generations. Watch it. Now, from the carrying away to Babylon unto Jesus, 13 generations. He's cut off. Who is called Christ? 42nd generation. That's Christ through the body of Jesus, the church that will perform the last end of his week. A three and a half year, time, times and a half, 42 months, 1,203 score days of the Jesus ministry confirming the week, the covenant for the whole week of the Heptad. Jesus cut off in the midst of the week, three and a half years. There remains another three and a half years of the Jesus ministry. And that's what you see in Revelation 10, Revelation 11, Revelation 12, for the ones that are come to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ, sold out, forsook all, gave up all, and come to the fullness of perfection to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. So we see there in Daniel 9, 27, that he, God, will confirm that covenant of Jesus Christ with many for one week. He was cut off in the midst of the week. There remains a three and a half year Jesus ministry to be confirmed. He confirms this word with signs, miracles, divers, wonders, and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his will. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation seats. Jesus did that on the cross. And for the overspreading of abominations, that's on the wings of abominations, he shall make it desolate. Who's making things desolate? Somebody said, well, that's the Antichrist. No, it's not. That's what we see in Daniel, right there in Daniel 7 through 12, that it is Jesus Christ doing this indignation that shall be, that, that is determined, shall be accomplished. We see also in Deuteronomy 32 that this is sealed up among God's treasures. And only the ones see it are the ones that will go in with a broken seal and behold the Lord's work. And in Deuteronomy 32, he says, this is not sealed up among my treasures. For the Lord will judge his people. Repent himself of the evil, the tribulation. When he sees their power's gone, not Holy Ghost power, we're coming to the end of ourselves and our own will and our own works, ceasing from our own labors, and our works will follow us. And there's none shut up or left. Why is he doing it? See now that I, God said, am God. Beside me there is no other God. Watch it. I kill, I make alive, I wound, I heal. To the end of this war, desolations are determined. We see that in Isaiah 6, whenever he says, who will go for us? Who will go for the kingdom of God? Isaiah, 
A man of unclean lips and undone said, I'll go. How, go, how long will you go, Jer- uh, Isaiah? How long will you go? Will you go into the city, be without inhabitant, and the land be utterly desolate? To the end of the war, desolations are determined. Who's doing it? God is, not the devil. And that's what we must see. So we're saying that that holy covenant in Daniel 9.27, that covenant is Jesus. We see that again in Daniel 11 and verse 28. Then shall he return, that's the Antichrist, into his land with great riches. His heart shall be against the holy covenant. Luke, in one, uh, Luke 1, tells us that God has brought forth his holy covenant. Christ will be born. And the Redeemer is here, the Savior of the world. That holy covenant is Jesus. And that Antichrist will do exploits and return to his own land. But the people that do know their God, they will do exploits. The evil comes in like a flood. God raises up a standard against him. It is warfare. And we go forth conquering and to conquer. Verse 20, 29, at that time appointed, he shall return and come toward the south, but it shall not be as the former or as the latter. Again, verse 30, for the ships of Kittim shall come against him. Therefore, he, the Antichrist, will be grieved and return and have indignation, anger, indignation against the Holy Covenant. That's against the church of the living God carrying out the revelation of Jesus, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, we hope this has been a blessing to you. We will be going into the depth of the horses, which is the life of the chariot, which the chariot is a cherubim that God rides upon, and that chariot will have four wheels. Spirit of the living creatures, the spirit of the living creatures are in the wheels. That chariot has four wheels. And each of the wheels are cubit and a half. Four wheels, cubit and a half times four equals six. That cubit, six cubits equals one reed, which is a measure of Jesus. The eastern gate is one reed or six cubits. And the cherubim through the wheels will equal the measure of Jesus and the appearance of. And that's what John sees in Revelation 19.10, a perfect church in the image of Jesus Christ. Well, I hope this has been a blessing to you. If God is dealing with you to join our ministry, for us to take the world, we'd love to hear from you. Like to work with you. We'll do it together. Contact me. You can do so on any of the websites. Tennisspirit.org, SealingGodsPeople.org, SealingGodsPeople.com. You can do it at JCIC.tv, which is a private website that if you're a minister or a believer and like to go into the deep things, that uh, it is a private website for the one God people that understand that Jesus is the Father of glory. He is the Lord that was manifest in the days of his flesh and the work of God will be through the body of Christ. We would like you to register and be with us on our private website, JCIC, Jesus Christ International Church, JCIC.tv. Free registration. Get your username and password and every day at 2 o'clock. From Monday through Saturday, we're streaming live. You'll be able to comment, ask questions, 
and when we're not, when I'm not on there, then you can still ask your questions and there's a chat room and you can drop your questions to me or comments and we'll do our best to cover them on the live streaming every day at 2 p.m. daily, Monday through Saturday. Well, we love, love you, appreciate you, pray for us, we'll pray for you. And that is for the work of the ministry. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold the real Jesus.